Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to have Dr. Fufa, who is going to tell us all about orthopedic surgery, which is a competitive specialty and one in which we are excited to learn a lot of tips about. So Dr. Fufa, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Really, really a pleasure to be here with you today. So where are you an attending physician and what is your official position title? I am an orthopedic hand surgeon at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City. My official title at this point um, has to do with our academic affiliation, which is with the Wild Cornell Medical College, where I'm an associate uh, professor of orthopedic surgery. Within HSS, uh, my biggest title is to run our residency program. So Hospital for Special Surgery is one of the best orthopedic surgery residency programs in the country. So what sorts of qualities are you looking for in an applicant as you get thousands of applications every single year to sift through? You know, I think that the general characteristics that we're looking for are not too dissimilar from most specialties. We are looking at the complete candidate uh, and and the entirety of their application, which extends, you know, from their academics, which I'll spend more time on but to their uh, background, you know, geographic and um, life kind of diversity aspects to their extracurriculars, leadership activities, volunteerism, uh, certainly, you know, research, which I'd put into the academic domain, but, but really a, a, the complete picture of the applicants. You know, the most objective components of the application are the academic side of it. Uh, and in that domain, you know, we are obviously looking for candidates who have already demonstrated a high level of commitment to and achievement in in academic excellence, which includes the domains of sort of academic performance as an undergraduate, as a medical student, um, research activities, exposure, experience, uh, performance on standardized exams, you know, goes, uh, all goes into that complete picture of their academic performance. But beyond the achieved, already achieved academic performance, we also try to look as much as we can at the promise and opportunity that the, that the candidate may have to be to achieve uh, academically in the future should the um, environment and the opportunities for that candidate uh, arise. So you have given such a wonderful description of what it takes to be a successful orthopedic surgery candidate. But when we look at all the programs, there are so many, there are community, there are academic, and when trying to figure out which programs to apply to or how many programs to even apply, what should an applicant be considering? Orthopedic surgery there, I think, is unique to other, uh, potentially other types of subspecialties. And, you know, for better or worse, if you look at the trends and publications that are written on applying in orthopedic surgery, we do know that students who are interested in orthopedics apply to a lot of programs. So, you know, in terms of numbers, candidates are routinely applying to, you know, 80, which is half potentially of all of the orthopedic programs in the country. I know that, you know, in leadership for residency, we we do not want for students to be taking on the workload or financial burden associated with applying to all of those programs. And we're, um, you know, strategizing ways that we might be able to encourage students and guide students 
to feel comfortable to apply to fewer programs. Uh, but you know, as a matter of fact, at the current moment, the number of, of applications for those applying in orthopedic surgery is, is really, really large. With respect to your other question about academic programs and community programs, I think that it is important given how competitive orthopedic surgery is, that most candidates in orthopedics should be casting a broad net in terms of the distribution of programs that they apply to. And that likely would include both programs that are considered sort of academic, um, you know, larger top tier kinds of programs, as well as ones that um, may be considered more community style programs. I think that one of the mistakes that can be made in orthopedic surgery is to be either guided by mentors or to believe that your that a candidate is, you know, doesn't have any potential weaknesses in their application. And that can unfortunately lead to, you know, the situations where we see students not match, even though they were strong candidates, uh, simply because there was sort of a mismatch in the programs that they applied to versus the level of competitiveness and the absolute sheer number of applications that are going to each one of those programs. So all that is to say, I think that it, it's important to cast a broad net in orthopedic surgery, given what literature exists already. And that means, you know, applying to a range of programs, you know, top tier, middle tier, lower tier, whether you, whether you consider those um, academic or community programs, I think is almost more um, a matter of opinion. Uh, but certainly that it's really necessary to have a range of programs in terms of the competitiveness, uh, traditional competitiveness of those programs, I think is really important. And you've mentioned that orthopedic surgery in general being so competitive can be a challenge for those applicants who may have deficiencies in their applications. So those who may have like a lower USMLE or COMLEX score, or those who may have gotten a pass in surgery, what are some recommendations in order for them to strengthen their application in, their, in these last few months before they apply? I think that each one of those potential deficiencies may have specific strategies. You know, the USMLE score, again, for better or worse, has traditionally been used um, as a screening tool. As everybody knows, that that criteria is going to change as the reporting of that score is, is you know, um, on the verge of, of converting to pass-fail. Um, but traditionally, if um, one if a candidate has found that their step one score uh, was was lower than uh, desired or potentially to make them competitive in that specialty to hasten taking step two and really preparing um, as thoroughly as possible and potentially correcting or modifying or learning from what preparation um, might have not gone ideally in, in terms of taking step one uh, to really try to get a higher step two score um, is a traditional one for, for addressing that deficiency. With regards to scores on clinical rotations, uh, or grades on clinical rotations, letters of recommendation, and even, you know, overt kind of confronting head on what circumstances may have led to the performance in that in that particular specialty that could be done um, again by way of uh, a particular letter writer who knows about circumstances that might have contributed, or you writing about something in um, your personal statement directly if there was some life event, personal or family health related event that might have contributed to that performance. And so I think that that's, you know, another another strategy uh, specifically for academic performance in medical school. Obviously, 
to take a research year is another um, strategy that people use to improve their application to orthopedic surgery and, and research for many programs is an important component of the uh, evaluation of the student as a candidate. The one point that I like to make to students who are continue, considering an, a research year is that you, you should um, you know, do everything that you can to set yourself up for success in that research year, which you know, includes understanding that when students are, have taken an extra year of medical school with, um, uh, in terms in, with the purpose of focusing on research, programs who are then evaluating them do to some degree hold them to different standards in terms of research productivity. And so that year really um, should be um, planned you know, in advance with a research uh, mentor and uh, other mentors that you have to really set out concretely the goals that you have in terms of being productive, gaining skills during that year so that everybody can kind of be on your team as a candidate and help you get to that point. Research takes a long time to see to completion. And so, you know, 12 months can pass by before you know it without too much concrete that you've added to your application. And, and what we don't want is for that research year to um, in some way hurt the candidate because um, a whole year without as much objective output that turns into to, um, uh, things that are represented on the application for residency could potentially um, you know, harm that student's overall candidacy. And I, and I think that planning in advance, a concrete setting of goals along with your mentors can help to um, avoid that situation from happening. Well, those are fantastic points in regards to a research year. And two things that I really learned when Alex did his research year was that not only does the research year help you while you're doing it, but it also helps you in the future better understand statistics, reading articles. So those tools not only help you in that moment get into orthopedic surgery, but they can also help you with a career in orthopedics moving forward, which I think is really important for people to recognize. And then the second thing is that it's a hard year. And like you said, having those goals and, and mentors like you and people that are supporting you is really key because it is not a year in which you can slack off, but it is one in which you can build connections and really add value to your application at large. Yeah, those are great points, Simone. And I think that that the in addition to these sort of concrete research outputs, if, if you would call it that, to add to your application, developing mentors and advocates for you who will speak on your behalf um, through your application or potentially through networking with their colleagues. And as you pointed out, that skills development, which you can then also utilize in discussing and describing yourself um, as a candidate, um, you know, which may not come through in other parts of your application, but could be discussed in your personal statement or in terms of the formulation of your goals for your career as an orthopedic surgeon. And another time that you can also build relationships, but in a shorter period is in an away rotation. And generally these are about four weeks, so it can be a quick period of time to learn about a new institution, but I'm wondering if you have any tips for applicants to shine on their away rotations. I totally agree that away rotations are a really uh, important part of the application uh, for a candidate, not only for the program to evaluate the candidate, but also, as you pointed out, for the candidate to evaluate the program. This, I think also, you know, it, it is worth noting that I think this the importance of the away rotation will increase um, as we see the conversion of USMLE um, step one to pass fail. 
In terms of being a strong candidate, a strong um, sub-intern on your uh, away rotations, the, uh, you know, some of the general principles are, you know, to um, meet early with the people who are, will be your sort of points of contact, whether that be the residents on the team that you're rotating on, the faculty member who may be assigned to you as a mentor, and really trying to understand what the expectations are of your role as a medical student. Although there are some general you know, concepts like helping on rounds, collecting vital signs, prepping, templating notes, having uh, in orthopedic surgery, having bandage uh, supplies uh, on hand, knowing the anatomy for uh, the cases that you'll be going into, being prepared to discuss an organized orthopedic history and physical exam, there, there may be components and there likely are components of the ways that medical students function differently at different institutions. And so to understand if how they want you to interact in the office with patients instead of making assumptions about that, to understand if there's an opportunity or an expectation that you might make a presentation during the course of your sub-I, uh, even showing the initiative to offer to do such a thing if that's not something that's generally been a part of the routine can be ways to just really at the beginning set yourself up for success by making sure that your expectations and assumptions about that rotation align with the people who you'll be working with. You know, an, another uh, component to, to really that I really try to reinforce with our students is to recall that the sub internship is really like a month long interview and that it's not simply the residents or the faculty who are observing your clinical care and your professional relationships, uh, but that, that there is often a, sort of a 360 degree kind of feedback that's gathered when students have rotated. Um, so it's important to be, you know, sort of on your most professional best behavior, you know, irrespective of who's in the room with you while you're helping uh, a part of the team and that part of the clinical care team, be that nurses, surgical techs, administrative staff in the offices, um, nurses on the floors, um, all everyone um, are parts of the team that we often, as those who evaluate candidates, we are often pooling information um, and feedback from all those members of the team when we discuss our students. Well, that is really helpful to gather and realize that the away rotation does play a large role for those that have done it at a specific institution. And another stressful part of this whole journey for some people is the interview experience. And the American Orthopedic Association has put out some guidelines in regards to interview season this year. And so those will be helpful moving forward to determine whether interviews are in-person versus virtual. But in general, how would you recommend that applicants best prepare for an interview, whether it is over Zoom or it happens to be in person? You know, you want to know as much as you can about the institution. And, you know, certainly this year, your um, firsthand knowledge of the institutions is going to be very limited, just as it was last year, given our restrictions in away rotations. Um, but you want to avoid asking questions that are things that could routinely be uh, learned by having um, prepared in advance and studied the website or studied the materials that are available online or that were um, handled through way of open houses and virtual town halls and things like that. Um, so know the program well and, you know, come obviously prepared with some questions that are, are clinically or that are, excuse me, relevant to your preparation with regards to learning about that institution. You know, everybody has different levels of baseline comfort with with being interviewed, you know, with being put on the spot and answering questions. And, and I think to overcome or to try to neutralize some of those natural differences for those um, of us who uh, may not be as comfortable 
naturally and sort of being put on the spot, I can't, you know, underscore enough the importance of rehearsal. Last year, especially in the setting of the new introduction of virtual interviews, I think, you know, that uh, I spent time, uh, more than one of my mentees to have them generate a list of questions that they can anticipate maybe asked at residency interviews and us just going through and practicing them uh, in that virtual format. And then, you know, me giving them some feedback on, on the nature of their response. Uh, the way that we get, get better and more comfortable with anything is by, by rehearsal and by deliberate practice. And I think that that goes a long way for interviews as well. Well, let's imagine that you were on the other side of the table. And I know you went through this process many years ago when you were a resident at HSS and then when you completed two fellowships, but imagine that you are an applicant right now. And I'm wondering what questions you would ask the program director in order to learn more about their program. I think that I would ask somebody what they are the most proud of in their program. I think that gives them a good a good opportunity to, to show you what they'd like to draw attention to in their program and allows them to speak about something that's a point of, of pride for them. I think equally important though, I would probably pair that question with, um, you know, tell me a little bit about something that you are, are working on improving in your program or, and I think I like that language better than, you know, what do you see as a deficiency in your program? All of us, I think, are, you know, we should all be striving to improve ourselves. Um, Certainly, I'm always striving to improve our program. Uh, And so to um, ask them what is something that they're actively working on improving is another way to ask sort of like, what do you think is could be could be better about your program, but ask it, I think, in a positive light. And on the other side of the interview, you also get an opportunity to speak with residents. And generally, this is the night before the interview, or it could be on the day of. And I'm wondering what sorts of questions you would ask residents if you were an applicant. I think, um, you know, the importance of culture, you know, that word takes on a lot of meaning for, for different people. But the, I think all of us are realizing the importance of and the contributions of culture of the program and the organization in terms of how all of us as part of the organization work uh, and, um, uh, and, and feel sort of valued and feel productive within that organization. So, um, and culture is a challenging thing to describe or to gather objectively, but I do think that the residents um, can be an opportunity to try to ask some of those questions. And now, you know, the question probably I would try to ask more specifically than it, just asking it broadly like culture, but what elements of culture might I be, might I be interested in, you know, in what ways do residents interact, you know, academically, in what ways do residents interact outside of the hospital uh, might be one way to ask them, you know, is there an example of a time that there's been a a concern raised in the residency program and how was that handled uh, might give you an insight as to the the relationship of the residents um, and their comfort, uh, you know, sort of the culture of safety and discussing uh, matters with with their program director, with the administration, things like that. So some of those are examples, but I think that the residents may be useful, uh, not only in in terms of, you know, answering sort of concrete questions, but also um, some of those. The other, I think, may be to be a sounding board for some of the, you know, quote unquote, rumors that tend to be um, 
to float around about programs. You know, certainly the sort of traditional statements that are said about different residency programs really like truly still exist from the same ones that when I was applying to, to residency. And so, you know, make sure to fact check some of those things with people who are experiencing it firsthand. Uh, and I think the residents are a good way to um, ask some of those questions as well. Well, let's say we've gone through the interviews, we've asked program directors questions and residents, and we've learned a lot about where we want to go. When it comes to ranking the programs at the end of this entire process, what tips do you have? The, you know, rank, a rank list is going to be personal more than, you know, anything objective. So certainly I would never advise somebody that, you know, you should be ranking based on some other ranking like doximity or something like that. I think that what goes into your decisions um, uh, about and what sets you up for the most success and what's undoubtedly going to be a challenging five years for residency is multifactorial, which includes things like geography, you know, other family circumstances, the, pro the nature of the program itself, your perception of you know, how the program aligns with your specific goals uh, or interests you know, weigh into that. And so um, I think that many of those aspects are going to be personalized. What I can say is that the more, the sooner that one can make decisions about you know, what program is their top, going to be their top, it is helpful, I think, in, in almost all circumstances to try to communicate those, you know, that sort of position or top couple of positions to your trusted mentors in order to help get guidance about appropriate ways to communicate your interest with, with that program. Uh, so less so about what your list is, but that um, committing to it uh, and then asking those who you know um, you trust, who know you well, to help you with regards to communicating your interest uh, can be very helpful. Well, you have provided us so many awesome tips to thrive during this really stressful journey. So is there anything else that you'd like to offer about this whole application or interview process? You know, I just really want to acknowledge that, you know, last year and this year, and who knows how many years, uh, you know, in the future with the, the changes that have been um, out of control, out of any of our control that have really changed um, dramatically what already was a very stressful process for um, applicants. Um, you know, we all appreciate that this is that this has been um, uh, a real challenge. I, you know, I, I'm, and so those of us who mentor students realize that that you guys are under a tremendous amount of pressure surrounding this, that there's a lot of uncertainty and, you know, all of us are here uh, working towards uh, helping you to achieve what you want to in your goal of becoming a, an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and while I realize that the uncertainty and predictability and these changes that have been thrown at us over the last couple of years um, make that process feel very uncomfortable, I hope that everybody um, continues to have sort of faith that at the other end of this process, there are um, a lot of really wonderful programs. Uh, and I can assure you that orthopedic surgery, you know, having a career as an orthopedic surgeon is incredibly satisfying. Um, and so the work that you're putting in now uh, is, is I really trust all going to be worth it on the other end of it and not getting too fixated on what the exact outcome of, you know, your scores and where you exactly match, but making sure that the process that you've gone through is one that you feel like you've really put all that you have into, um, I, I trust will get you where you want to be on the other end. 
Well, Dr. Fufa, we know that you're a mentor, a researcher, an advocate, a clinician, and an innovator, and you're at one of the best hospitals in the country for orthopedic surgery. So one last thing about you, can you share a fun fact about yourself totally unrelated to orthopedic surgery? <laughs> Happy to. So my name, Duretti, first and last name actually, are from Ethiopia, which is where my dad is from. My mother is uh, from Hong Kong, which is, I guess, interesting too. But um, my name, my first name means uh, the first. And uh, so I was the first uh, born is why uh, my parents gave me that name. Um, but I guess to bring it to orthopedic surgery or to, to medicine, uh, I also happen to have been the first in our family to, to become a physician. And uh, so similarly, I guess I would uh, end by saying, you know, for those who are in a position of being a first in, in any kind of a, uh, the domain, first to consider orthopedic surgery, first maybe at your medical school to, to try to match in, in a competitive specialty like orthopedics, uh, I'm here rooting for you. <laughs> well, you're also at what is thought to be the number one hospital and number one program for orthopedics. So that all ties together to your name. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have today with Dr. Fufa. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McCloyd for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome leader in medical education.